Good day, sunshines. It's Julie here to talk with you about what I've been witnessing in the collective people around me. And there's been a lot of fear. And it's coming out in anger. It's coming out in control and manipulation. And it's coming out sideways, basically. And so I wanted to talk about yourself, your self-awareness and how to gain that and why it's important. Because when we gain self-awareness, nobody can take that away from us. We know our strengths. We know our weaknesses. We become a better person. We become coachable in sports. We become a better employee. We become a better teammate, team worker, like in all the all the meanings of that in relationship, in sports, in work, in your community. Because when you know where you're not your strongest, but you can respond to that, when you take responsibility, the ability to respond, then you can handle your own weaknesses and improve them, make them into your strengths. And then also know, because that is your weakness, how to ask for help or employ somebody else's services that they're stronger at, therefore making it a stronger connection because we need each other. So where I'm beginning this, this episode is to talk about tuition. Tuition as in the currency that you hand over in order to gain knowledge or learning or understanding. And the word intuition is why I'm, I'm starting with that because your intuition is your self knowledge. This is your quote unquote easy button. If you work with your intuition. So we are not trained to work with our intuition. We are actually born into cultures, societies, hospital rooms, families, all of this that actually deny your intuition. And they tell you not to refer to that. And right from the very first diaper that's placed on your bottom all the way through school and oftentimes beyond. So a good 13 years of education plus, plus or minus, depending on where you're from and and what your education requires, we are taught to refer outside of ourselves, to look to our parents, and then the parents look to teachers, and teachers and coaches come in and and so you're you're constantly reflecting and then there's also the the peers you look at your peers and and what are they doing and and what's acceptable and what we do is we create a unfillable container vessel within ourselves it's like creating a colander a, a sieve inside of ourselves that says I have to get all these compliments. I have to get all these good grades. 
I have to be the best on the team. I have to make this much money. I have to have this certain look and this certain status. And all of those things are junk values. Now, does that mean that you're junk or any of that? No. It means that that junk, when you commit to that, it will never fill you up. Ever. Not once. Not ever. It will just get you wanting more validation, more compliments. You'll be fishing for that. But when you have self-awareness, when you know who you are, when you know what you are buying into, what knowledge you have of yourself, that tuition piece, then you can walk into rooms with confidence, with clarity, with no, that doesn't work for me. And you don't have to be a jerk about it. Sometimes you have to if they're being a jerk. But very often, you, you, when you know yourself really well, you can walk away from the nonsense because you know it's not meant for you. You know that it's just a dead end. So your intuition is your easy button because it's inside of you. You just have to learn how to use it. And while we are encouraged to feed into the junk values, you have innate values. Um, And if I broke that word down inside, you ate it already. I don't know. (laughs) That's the first time that I, it's in you. You've, You've devoured it already. Um, your values are, your true values are in your DNA. They're the things that, I know I've discussed this before, but obviously um, it bears repeating. So your true innate values are the things that, for lack of really bad grammar here, you can't not do. It's in you. You, you just must vie for this. You must back it, protect it. When somebody goes against it, it enrages you. You're like, I don't understand how somebody could do that. Those are your values. Those are your values. It doesn't mean everybody shares these values, but that's a key to your own self-awareness. So how do you develop your intuition when it's been knocked down? Well, start simple. Start with when you're taking a drive and you normally go through this one intersection and for some reason you feel compelled to take a left instead of going through that intersection. Follow that. See what happens. If you feel like getting your coffee at a different coffee shop, follow that. Little things. Um, When you answer the phone, before ever looking at the phone to see who's calling, see if you can guess who's going to be on the other end. And a lot of times it'll be pretty obvious because obviously our nearest and dearest are the ones that are most frequently on our phone. But see see if you can do it anyway. Um, Try to guess the color of the outfit of the next person to walk into the room. Just 
just keep playing games like this with yourself. Um, yeah, the breath. I was just noticing my own breath. I'm short of breath right now. And that is also a way that you can understand that your body is trying to tell you what your intuition wants. And this also leads into the fear-based thinking that I started off the episode with, where when we can't breathe, <laughs> when, when we can't catch a full breath, it's typically because we've been holding our breath. Now, granted, some of you have asthma um, or some other, you know, issue, but I'll, I'll add to that one a little deeper in, in a minute. But our bodies are constantly giving us feedback. Our bodies are the barometer, the seismograph, the um, thermometer, the Richter scale. Like it, it's all of that and so much more. Our bodies are constantly measuring energy. And I don't mean that like, I'm tired today, I don't have much energy, or wow, I'm really energized, I've got all this. But I kind of mean that. I mean it more in the quantum realm, in the scientific realm of energy. We all know, scientists have proven, that everything is energy. And while we can't always wrap our brains around that, when we look at the lamp, at the desk, at the floor, at the blanket, at the thumbtacks, or whatever it is, the phone, all these things are solid. They feel solid. So how are they and myself and the dog and the trees and the grass, how are they all energy? And you can jump down that rabbit hole if you want. But that is a baseline that we kind of just, okay, yeah, we accept it. Yep. And don't necessarily understand it all. So we are all energy. We are all experiencing energy all the time. Like there's no way to avoid it. Absolutely zero way to avoid it. We are energy. So then there's also the spiritual component. And the spiritual component is... <laughs> oddly eluding me at this particular moment. I'll get back to it because I had the thought. Okay, so we'll just deal with the energy and we'll deal with the body. So our bodies are always telling us something. So if we go back to the breath, when we are allowing, when we're in our most natural state, actually let's go with the energized part. So you feel really energized that day or you see a child who's really energized. And how many times have you, have you thought, if we can just bottle their energy, I would take that. Absolutely. Well, the reason they are so energized is because they're in alignment with who they are, their inner values, their intuition. They haven't learned to the extent that adults have how to squash their intuition. And so they are still energized because their bodies are calibrated to just allowing energy to flow in and out of them. They just accept things as they are. 
I, well, for the most part, they accept things as they are. They ask for brownies for dinner and they say no, then you're going to watch them pitch a fit. Most of them. But the more in tune we are, the more we listen to our bodies, the more we listen to what's happening inside of us, the more energy we will have because it's flowing in and out of us like a net, like um, a mesh or something like that. When it, when it stops flowing is when we stop breathing per se. So if you picture the breath going in and out, like wind moving in and out, if you hold your breath, why? Notice why you're holding your breath. Typically, it's because you are trepidatious, afraid, um, anxious, all of these things. Okay, so now think about the thing that gets you holding your breath. Just take a classic example of a roller coaster or a horror movie. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Okay, so start following your thoughts when you notice that you're holding your breath and you will find the fear that is getting you to hold your breath. Now, when we hold our breath, we get rigid. We, we get heavier, more resistant, more guarded. And if we're unconscious about this, if it's just the way it's always been in your mind because it isn't actually the way that it's always been but we've we develop a belief around why you're holding your breath now the belief doesn't mean it's the truth but if a belief is there for long enough it feels like the truth it feels like our truth so when you hold your breath you're locking it in you're safeguarding yourself therefore locking that belief into a safe and a safe is a very heavy very dense material and if we lock that inside of our body then it's going to tell you something so where are you locked up where Let's say it's your hip and you feel your hips locking up and causing you issues. Well, what does the hip do? It is typically, it, it's the main flexor, the main ligaments that run through there, um, through the hip flexors and all that, requiring flexibility. And so therefore, if that's locked up, someplace in your life, you're not being flexible. So walk it back, not in a judgment, but in a curiosity. And I've told you before in previous episodes that I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not really sure what that means in its entirety. And I've noticed people in my life started calling me spiritual long before I accepted that in myself. And I didn't even know what they meant. I didn't 
disregard it and I didn't think that they were wrong and I didn't get defensive about it, but I went, huh, I wonder what it is about me that makes them say that I'm spiritual. So for all intents and purposes, I'm going to use spirituality as curiosity. That's how I see spirituality. I'm just curious about things and I don't really have a limit on what it is that I'm curious about, which I think is what makes it spiritual because spirituality is like energy. It's all around us, but it's when you lock it down and make it a dogmatic practice, a a religious um, something or other that it can start to morph. All right. So that's a sidebar. So for, for this purpose, with the breathing, with the in and out, whether or not you're breathing fully, you know, shortness of breath, all of these things, um, to go back to the hip flexor and, and the lack of flexibility as an example, follow your thought process of, huh, I wonder what I was just thinking or what I've been thinking so consistently that now my body has safeguarded my flexibility. Like what happened where you were trying to be flexible at some point in your life and somebody, probably a parent, a grandparent, somebody in your immediate home told you that flexibility, whether directly or indirectly, was not a thing that you could do. So maybe there's a cultural norm that you were supposed to follow through with. And if you were flexible, you would it would be in direct conflict to this cultural norm. That would be where you would develop that belief. And then going back to your values, your values, your DNA values, the thing you can't not do, the thing that grates your nerves if it's done or it's gone against that value you developed a belief probably about your own values and they weren't good enough they weren't accepted so therefore you weren't accepted you weren't worthy okay so I'm starting to circle back to where I started with the the worthiness the anger and the emotions just coming out sideways This is why they're coming out sideways because you're living via beliefs that are going against your intuition and your innate values. And when you start to come back into yourself, creating that self-awareness and that exploration of what this is, we often get afraid to do that. And I'd like to sit with you for a moment and have you think about what it is that you're so afraid of. Because really, you're going inside of yourself. If there's any weapons in there, you have complete control over wielding those weapons or setting off that ammunition inside of you. Or tamping it down or diffusing it entirely. 
and choosing differently. It's inside of you. So there's nothing to be afraid of. You have total control. Now, some therapists will say, okay, you had this traumatic incident happen to you. Let's go back and dissect that whole traumatic incident. I don't agree with that because our trauma, if we start to relate too much to it, and a trauma can be extreme, extreme trauma, or it can just be something that happened to you that was interpreted as a trauma. So therefore it's a trauma to you. Ugh. 6F doesn't one or the other. I don't know. It's not gobbledygook, but I'm not doing well with that one in clarifying it. But we have trauma responses. Oh, I found this terrific doctor. He popped up on my YouTube feed and I love him. And he's been around forever, but I am just getting introduced to him. And his name is Dr. Gaber Matei. It, the spelling is G-A-B-O-R, that's his first name, and Matei, M-A-T-E, as in mate. And he is actually scientifically proving the very things that I've been talking about, which God love him for doing his part, because I don't have the science background. I don't have the desire to go into that, but he did. And he has ADHD and he wrote a whole book. It was his first book that he wrote and it's called Scattered Minds. And he was self-diagnosing himself before actually, uh, self-medicating, excuse me, before he was diagnosed with ADHD. And he'll tell you all about that, whether you get the book or you can just look him up on YouTube because there's so many different videos of him, but, um, he says that ADHD is a trauma response. And I would agree with that. It doesn't mean that it's not real, but it means how you deal with it is going to be different. So there's so much more that he gets into, but the trauma response, we, we don't want the trauma again. We don't want to relive it. And I think that that's a great amount of the fear of why people don't go inside of themselves is because they have safeguarded their trauma, stored it in their body someplace so that it can't move freely in and out, but locked in. And then that creates other physical and mental issues, stuff like depression and anxiety ADHD. Um, there's like, there's so many ways it can show up and it can, um, then manifest in the form of autoimmune diseases and cancer. And I mean, you name it. These are the things that if we go in and check into our emotions and where our beliefs have led us astray, then we can course correct know what's happening inside of ourselves and become better and healed and truly heal many parts of ourselves. Now it's not as easy as all that, but it's also not, it doesn't have to be that hard either. So when we see, look at our body as a scale, a, a 
a means of measurement. Look at it as a metaphor if you need to, to distance yourself enough so that you can get curious and experience that, uh, that flow of energy back and forth and allowing the breath to come in and out, allowing the energy to pass through and to be in alignment so you can regain your energy, so you can be the best version of yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that you should be judging yourself and slamming yourself for where you're at now. If you are anxious, depressed, if you have an illness of some sort, it just means that, okay, time to have some compassion and empathy for yourself. Time to look at this. And you, the only way to access compassion and empathy is through curiosity, which again is what I'm using as the definition of spirituality for now. It's, I, it's as good of a example as I can come up with as to how to describe what spirituality is because it's different for every, everybody, but It does allow you to breathe. It allows, and when you've forgotten how to breathe, what we need to do is get in touch with nature, our natural selves, our innate selves. So when you forget, go out into nature, connect with the mountains, with a river, with the ocean, beach, trees, stand barefoot on your lawn, a patch of grass, anything. Go, if you're in the middle of the city, go to a florist shop. Like, do something that just gets you back into a relaxed state. Even if it's only momentarily. Because it resets your mind and your body. We are natural beings. We are meant to be a part of nature, not machine so we need to remind ourselves of that because we are involved with machines. So we're bombarded with machinery on a daily basis. It's really, really important that you, in you get in touch with nature. So you can't get out, then take a shower, take a bath, add some salt to it, Epsom salt, sea salt, you know, do whatever you can to re-engage. All right, so starting with the intuition, again, I've given you measurements of how to try to practice with that, but how do you know if you're in your truth? How do you know if you are in a belief versus you're in alignment with your DNA values, with your truth? there will be relief. And I don't mean, um, I don't mean relief from like what we get from our addictions, whether it's something like eating crappy food that hits that dopamine level or engaging in binge watching something or drugs and alcohol or a sex addiction or anything that takes us outside of it. That would be temporary relief. True relief 
is sustainable. It's long lasting. It might be scary at first, but ultimately when you engage it, it might be quitting a bad job, leaving a marriage relationship. Um, you might be scared to quit that job because you need to pay your bills. And again, where is the thought originating from? Because if you're afraid you won't be able to pay your bills, your whole initiative for keeping that job is fear-based. Therefore, you are holding your breath. You are not allowing that energy to flow in and out. You're not trusting yourself. And I'm not saying quit your job or do whatever and just jump. And I'm also not saying like, there's a lot of things I'm not saying, but you need to know yourself. And if you know that that job or that relationship or the housing situation that you're in, they're not healthy for you, then acknowledgement is the first step. And then dealing with that situation going, okay, I know I can't stay. I know I can't leave yet necessarily, but I can go and try and find another job, another housing situation. I don't recommend finding another relationship right out of the gate because that whole idea of if you need to get over them, get under somebody else is such a bad idea because that's suppression. That's suppression of your emotion. You're not healing whatever was wrong in the previous relationship. You're just ignoring it, chucking it to the side, and those issues are going to crop up sooner rather than later. They're going to crop up in that relationship or inside of you or through your body. Again, you do you, but these things, it happens. So... Where are you spending your currency? Where's your energetic current going? Because a lot of us are stifling it. And the way that that's happening is it's going to show up. Like all I'm of the age where pretty much every discussion that I have with friends, with family, with <sighs> Clients, it's all about how our bodies are performing or lack thereof. This hurts. That aches. I grunt when I bend over. All of these silly things. But what makes sense to me is it's not that we're of an age. It's that we've been suppressing our natural selves for such a long period of time that that's built up to these aches and pains and, and doctor's appointments and all of this stuff that means that we need to take care of our physical health as a job now. And it doesn't have to be like that. We've all seen the exceptions to the rule. The 80-year-old who's a bodybuilder who are, or is still a gymnast or... 
all of these things that they do and we think, oh, they're just, they're the exception. No, our bodies are supposed to perform like that. We just have to work with ourselves and not against ourselves. So if you're looking to lose weight, don't look to lose the weight from a superficial level, like I want to fit into this size pants or, you know, whatever, but look at it from the standpoint of, I want to increase my energy. I want to be energized and healthier and find a why that's actually going to be sustainable long-term, not just all right, well, I got into these pants. Well, that's great up until you get sick and now you're not doing the workouts or, you know, you're traveling and you're eating like crap and now maybe you can't fit into those pants any longer. And who knows? You don't need to, you don't need to be flogging yourself. So now I'm, all right, now I've got to move because I sat myself down quietly to have this discussion and I left my notes that I wanted to cover on this on the counter. So let me go find my notes and see if I've, if I've covered this. Right, the last word on my, my little note here is freedom. Why are we doing this? Why am I discussing with you about tuition, intuition, body, energy, movement? It's to find the ultimate source of freedom. As I've said before, Freedom isn't banging everybody at the bar. It's not the ability to, you know, I've got this many notches in the headboard or I've got this much money in my bank account or I can, I can go and do all the drugs and all the drinking or I can travel the world or whatever. True freedom is self-awareness. It's knowing that you can contend with anything in your life because you know yourself really well and that you're not going to be manipulated. At least, or if you are, you're going to catch it quicker because how somebody treats you isn't about you. It's about them. How you receive their treatment is about you. And you can take offense at it or you can learn from it and say, well, I'm grateful I don't have that outlook if they treat you badly. But it doesn't mean that you have to attach to it. So... Notice where you're holding your breath. Notice what you're afraid of when you're holding your breath. Are you afraid to speak to somebody? Are you afraid to quit the job? Are you afraid that you're going to offend somebody? Are you afraid that this is never going to end? Whatever this is. Check in with yourself. But don't do it from a judgmental space. Do it from a curious space. 
I was talking with somebody the other day who was saying, I need to work. I need to get more money. And they've been in a state of depression for quite some time. A lot of things have gone wrong in their life or, or not wrong per se, but broken down. The systems to which they were used to running are now not running. And it causes a fear of the unknown, what's going to happen. And they know that they've got to pay their bills, but they've been doing this thing where they procrastinate in overwhelm. And they said, well, I know that I know what I have to do. You're going too easy on me. And, and you're, you're, ch- you're not going to be as hard on me as, as I need you to be. And I reflected back to them and I said, maybe so, but maybe not. You've been beating the hell out of yourself, telling yourself that you need to get this work done for a very long time, months and months, and you're not doing it. So how's the flogging going? Is it actually working? Because I'm not saying don't do the work. I'm saying do it differently. I'm saying build up slowly instead of expecting yourself to get to 80% right now when you're at 20, maybe 30 on a good, good day. Whenever you try to jump from 20 or 30% to 80%, guess where you end up? Guaranteed below where you started, you'll end up less than 20% every single time. So look at your 20 and 30 and say, how can I get to 35 or 40? Assess where you're at and keep going and be consistent with the small movements. Consistency is where it's at. Notice where you're holding your breath. And then don't try to fix holding your breath. Just say, okay, I see that this is hard for me. This is scary for me. Where is it not scary? Where is it easy? Where is it flowing? Oh, notice that too. Move toward that. How can I gain that mindset where this over here is where I'm holding my breath? I hope this helps somebody out there. I don't know if it does, but I'm doing this to help me, I guess. I guess? Yeah, I'm doing this mostly for me. But I'm doing it for you too. Because the more that I teach this stuff, the more it ingrains in me. And I'm, I'm not sitting back going, oh, hey, you guys go over here and do this. I've been doing this work. And it is work. It's probably some of the hardest work anybody can ever do to really reflect on themselves. And so I hope you do it. I hope you choose that for yourself in small part and large part, whatever part possible. Because as the world stands right now, it's pretty rigid. It's pretty scary. It's pretty angry. Controlling, manipulative, toxic. We live in a toxic society. 
I'd like it not to be. I'd like to live in something other than toxicity. So if you got any questions, reach out. And until next time, I'm leaving you in charge. Take care.